You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with Andy Grant. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having, but you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced weekly for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many more. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and at facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's get into this week's show. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. I am your host, Andy Grant. You know, Real Men Feel was created to encourage men to realize that they are human beings, that they are emotional beings, that they can feel feel good, feel bad, feel whatever's going on for them, and I wanted to have a place to encourage that. And every day, all of us make choices between authentically feeling whatever's going on for us and not by, by ignoring our emotions, by stuffing them, by denying them, by, by blaming and going on the attack against others. There's this huge list of ways that we all avoid our emotions. What they all come down to is some sort of a distraction. And one of the most powerful and addictive distractions that, that we all carry around with us all the time are our smartphones. So today's guest is fitness and lifestyle coach, Oliver Kalashaw. He joins us to discuss everything that rose up for him when he confronted his own smartphone addiction. So welcome to the show, Ollie. Thank you, Andy. Pleasure to be here, man. Pleasure to be here. Cool. So so let's dive right into this. And, you know, what what prompted you wanting to cut down on your smartphone use? What what was telling you that you had uh, an addiction of some sort to this? Well, I started... I guess I started to pay attention to my habits in a more general sense. So I started to pay attention to, I mean, the intention to live a life on my terms has always kind of been with me. Um, But implementing that is a lot more difficult in practice. Um, I started to track my smartphone use and before tracking it, I never actually really, understood the full length of the problem or it's either that or I was just in a state of denial about it because it didn't to me I was just telling myself the story that it wasn't a problem I was saying okay no it's fine I need it for work and whatever other story that would justify it for me I was telling myself and then just as a because I thought it'd be a good idea I thought I'd track it so I downloaded an app called your hour and essentially what that does is just track your usage tells you what apps you're using it also tells you how often you're unlocking your phone and that was the one that really shocked me because i tracked it over the course of five days and my average unlocks were 180 times a day so on average (laughs) i was taking my phone picking it up unlocking it looking at it, checking notifications 180 times a day. And that was a 
most, most of that is a, was, a, was unconscious. It was a habit. Because to unlock my phone, uh, I actually, actually have one of those fingerprint scanners on the back. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to actually look at my phone, I need to perform an action. So I started noticing, okay, 180 times. It was obvious to me at that point, I couldn't really justify that because no human being needs to check the phone that many times a day. Yeah. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't run from the stories anymore. Right. So I thought, you know what? I, be, I want to be more present because I was noticing it was impacting my relationships. It was impacting just how I was showing up to people. So I'd noticed that in conversations with friends, uh, and with clients and with my family, I'd notice that I couldn't pay attention to them for as long as I would like to. Like my attention span was really short in conversation um, and I felt itchy. That's the only way I could describe it. I was talking to them, but I kind of wasn't at the same time. It's like half of me was with them, but not really. And half of me was wanting this wanting to check my smartphone. It was like a dopamine hit I was, yeah. I, I was after. Now, were you, were you conscious of this? Like, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done listening. I really want to check my phone. Or was it just this, like this itch you had? It was, it, it, the only way I can describe it is it was an itch. And sometimes I would um, contribute that itchy feeling to something else. Mm -hmm. I'd say, oh, hang on. There must be something in my environment that, that's causing this problem. Um, whether something that someone said or something that I said, or I'd, I'd get, I'd, I'd look, I'd look for the, for the answer to the itchy feeling in the wrong places. Mm. Um, it just so happens that compared to this dopamine machine I had in my pocket, this conversation was uninteresting to me. Yeah. And that wasn't good because like, I'm a naturally, I'm naturally quite curious person when it comes to people. And I love people. I love depth and connection, but this thing was not allowed. It's almost as if this, being um, kind of tied to this device in my pocket was not allowing me to, to fully feel that depth and connection that I wanted to. And it was becoming a problem. So I started, as I said, I started tracking it. And there was one particular day when I came back from training clients and there was no one else in the house. And I came back and I'd noticed that I tracked I tracked it that day and I, I checked my phone around. I think it was around 75 times that day. I thought I was doing okay, but I'd set myself the target in the morning not to check it any more than 80. So I was like, right, I, I'll, I'll let myself down if I can't turn my phone off and leave it for an evening, for God's sake. So I did that. I turned the phone off on 75 exactly. Because I knew for a fact, if I left it on any longer than that, it was definitely going to go over, over 80. Yeah. <laughs> there, was no, there was no two ways about it. So I left it in the drawer. And then I noticed how bored I got very quickly. Hmm. Uh, bored and slightly irritable. I was like, why am I getting pissed off with, with stuff? I'm only on my own in the house. Like, you know, so I, got, I was starting to get really um, irritable. All, all sorts of stuff came up. So I was like, I went and had a bath. I went and chilled out a bit and came back to my room. And then all of a sudden, all this, all this stuff came up. And it was it was a kind of hollow feeling. It was, it was a hollow, it was, it was empty, an empty feeling. And it was also loneliness because it made me want to reach out to people. So it, did, did it really want, did, did you want to reach out to people or did you want to 
use the phone and that was kind of telling you the phone will let you reach out to people? Like, was there, how did you want to reach out to people as you felt you wanted to connect? Well, there was, there was the, there was this, the strong impulse to check my phone and message someone. But I had already said to myself at that point that it was not an option. Okay. I, I was like, that's not happening. So whatever else comes up in my experience emotionally, I'm going to sit with. Um, and I felt, it, it felt like loneliness because I was, this, I had this script, this story running, the being alone in the house coupled with this feeling that I had been distracting myself from with my smartphone all came up at once. And um, I had no other outlet. I had nothing else. I had nowhere to run, basically. I was just yeah. in my room. And, and it, was a, it was a bit weird because, you, like, you know that scene from Apocalypse Now where Martin, Martin Sheen is just in that room on his own and he's drinking whiskey and he's like, fucking like <laughs> just going crazy in the room. I felt like a little bit of that <laughs> was, getting, was coming into play. But then I just noticed that I had my camera tripod set up and my, you know, where I usually film my YouTube videos, that was all there. And I was like, right, okay, I need some sort of outlet because I do feel like I'm, I am going off the deep end here, mm. um, which is crazy because by this point, I'd only been without my smartphone for an hour, wow. <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> so, so I was like, right, the real um, potential for smartphone use to become an addiction in people who, nest, who, who potentially crave that social connection is really apparent to me in this in, the, in that moment. So I started, I just pressed record. And I said, I, I pressed record, not with the um, intention to film a YouTube video that I would upload later, but I pressed record just so I'd have an outlet with which to express myself. Mm. So then I just hit record and I just started talking about whatever came up for me. And I think the video ran for around 22 minutes and a couple of times during the video, the, the emotion, that empty feeling became so strong. And through talking about it, it brought it more, it brought it more to the surface. It made it more vivid to me. Um, and it's, 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 it's interesting because this is tied in with a, a theme in my life at the moment, which is uncovering this sense of toxic shame that I've kind of had for a, a while, this belief that I'm inherently broken or defective. Mm. And um, I feel that way or less so now, but I, I feel that way when people look at me and I'm not feeling particularly good about myself. And the reason why a lot of my YouTube videos were kind of a little, in my view, a little hollow is because I felt hollow in them because mm. the camera was facing this way, amplifying my shame. So in that moment, when I was filming the video, the camera was looking this way and it's like, I really have nowhere to hide here. I, I, I've, I'm pressing record. This is being sort of documented on the camera and I can't, I haven't got my smartphone to pacify this feeling anymore um and then it just came up a few times and i got to the end of the video and i thought right what's the last thing i want to do with this <laughs> and it's like the last thing i want to do is upload this to youtube <laughs> so i thought right well that's the best thing i need that's the thing i need to do i need to upload this video to youtube right. so um so i did that and when it comes to my channel and when it comes to my online presence, I've had this inherent, and I guess in my personal life too, I've had this, this belief I've been sort of carrying around with me that if I am emotional, 
if I am vulnerable and if I let my sensitive, I guess, allow my sensitive nature to be on display, bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, never, I, can, I could never really articulate, and I guess I still can't, what I thought would happen. Um, but filming and uploading that video was kind of a test. It was like, okay, well, let's see what bad things could happen then. If I let this, what I, this part of myself out and nothing bad happened. Mm. Actually, there was an outpouring of love and support. And the depth and connection with which I wanted to experience with my audience on YouTube for the past two and a half years, I was putting up walls and I was trying to act how the, I thought the audience would, I was trying to act in ways in which I thought the audience would like while trying to hide that sensitive and emotional part of myself. Mm-hmm. But in this video I did what I basically showed the part of myself I've been trying to avoid showing for the past two and a half years. And then thus from doing that, I felt more depth and connection from my audience and with people from that one video than I have in the past two and a half years on YouTube. And it's absolutely crazy. Um, and that came as a result of owning that vulnerable aspect. Right. Cool. And I would just make it, make it clear that the, these, the loneliness, the hollowness, the, the shame, it, it was always there and being covered up. It wasn't because it wasn't because you stopped using your phone that these, that's not what created these emotions. No. Okay. Great. It didn't create them. I, I, I the, the working hypothesis I have of this at the moment is that it wasn't, or it wasn't created through not using my smartphone. Right. I actually don't think that, you know, I don't think any addictive behavior in a sense is creating things i think they're distraction that's why we use them i i feel yeah so no, that, i totally agree and that's how it was for me um and through and through doing this it's, it's like i've realized that this this shame that the shame this hollowness has been something that's been i've also been carrying into my interpersonal relationships my close intimate relationships have been massively affected by the this shame and this belief that i'm in some way defective and that if someone really saw me they would one they'd run a mile just 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 bad things would happen sort of thing so in some respects i see reducing my smartphone usage as being it's been the thing that i've been the least willing to do (laughs) but it's the the area that i need to look at the most Mm. and since the two weeks that i've i uploaded the video I've been keeping the the usage to a minimum and it seems that it, it it was one of the missing links. Um, cause even, even when, cause when I was really like hooked, um, which to a degree I still am cause I'm, I'm trying to be grounded about it, but, um, I could go for a walk in the woods and I wouldn't be enjoying myself. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to, to just walk through the woods and, and genuinely, like be present and actually enjoy myself. I'd be happy to tell people that I enjoyed myself. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be like, yeah, look at how, look at how spiritual I am. I walk through yeah. the woods. How cool is this? When in actual fact, the reality is I walked through and I was like, if no one was watching, I was on my phone every 30 seconds to a minute in the woods. 
It was just a new place to be distracted. Exactly. Right. It's, I mean, it's the old saying, you know, wherever you go, there you are. So you, you just bring your problems and, and fears and issues with you into the woods. And yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Wherever you go, you take yourself with you. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that's, it's been, it's been an absolute journey, but it's been, that's the interesting thing as well, Andy, because for so long, I would just, I was justifying this habit to myself. Yeah. I, I would say that everyone's doing it. I would say I would also I would also use <coughs> I would also use my ability to articulate things in the service of um, in the service of the addiction by saying <coughs> by making arguments up and saying oh there hasn't been enough research yet that tells us that smartphones are, are bad and I, all of it was just self deception that yeah. just so happened to conveniently give me a reason to keep going back. Right. to my smartphone yeah because again it it, it it gives you a hit there is a reward um i think i had to go back and look at this so i first really heard about this as a real thing back in april 2017 uh the tv news program 60 minutes did a story mm -hmm. and they had a google product manager on talking about how phones and apps and social media itself are designed to hook us in to reward our brain, every the timing that you get from different apps saying, "Hey, someone like this, or someone like that, or someone followed you," it's all timed. It's not. It's not the moment things happen. It's time to find out how to keep you hooked. And and uh, the guy on the show talked about your phone. It's a slot machine, and every time you pick it up, you're pulling the lever. Like, hey, what did I get today? And how many people like me? And you know who said what? And who shared with me? And it's this, especially for. For entrepreneurs, for people building their business, you're told you got to be on social media, got to be out there and doing things. And hmm. you know, I've I've never met anyone that has you know had a crazily successful business because they kept checking how many likes they had. <laughs> but 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 we're all kind of taught, and you know, we're we're told we have to be there. And the phone again hooks you because you get that reward, a smiley face, an emoji. It's all it's all oh yay! Some it fires up some part of your brain. Um, and it, yeah. And it takes a while. I'm so year. I think it's been two years. I deleted all the games on my phone, and that was just like, I'm, I'm. This is just ridiculous. This is not helping me. It's not productive at all. So I just deleted all games. Um, if if I get a Facebook invite, hey, is new this? No, gone. You're you know you're dead to me. I, I unfriend anyone that sends me game requests. You know, but um, because so I try to focus on productivity. But I still I I'm hooked on the oh I posted something. How how many people looked at it yet? And and all that kind of nonsense. But so. You mentioned yep. that you had the app to track your time. What, what, what else did you do to, to help uh, make this decrease usage a reality as opposed to just something you wanted to do? Okay, yeah. So just before I answer that question, you mentioned that you, um, you unfriended any friend who sent you a game request. There was a hilarious status that I saw a year ago or so saying, if I get another Candy Crush request, I'm calling the police. <laughs> Yes, I understand that. <laughs> I thought it's got to that point, has it? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So the, the ironic thing is, and the slightly embarrassing thing is, about a year and a half ago, I made a video from a YouTube channel saying, and the title is this, Andy. Are you ready? How to cure your smartphone addiction forever. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, I saw that. It was as if like, I saw that on YouTube the other day and I thought, oh my word, that's embarrassing. I'm not going to delete it. I'm not going to delete it. I'm going to own it. Um, and in that video, I basically talk about how meditation, implementing new habits like meditation and all that other stuff is, is useful. But to tell you the truth, I consider those things to be um, 
just fundamental habits for living a good life anyway. But mm -hmm. to be really specific to smartphone use, um, there's a great book that I'm about halfway through now called Atomic Habits by a guy called James Clear. He's a habit specialist. And he said in this book as well, which really inspired me to do this, to, um, to, reduce, to reduce bad habits, you need to increase the friction. Uh, and that basically means you need to make um, that bad habit more difficult. Mm. And the inverse is the same for good habits. So you need to make it easy for good habits and make it really difficult for bad habits. So what I started doing was um, I've, and this is the past three days, actually, I've started saying to myself, every time I check my phone, I'm going to turn it off. Because that increases friction because, um, we have that craving. Okay. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be really subjective about it. I get this craving and sometimes there is no space at all and no time at all before my phone's in my hand, I've unlocked it and I'm on, I'm in Instagram. That can happen in the space of a second. So increasing the amount of time from craving to reward, increasing that gap is absolutely crucial for me. Turning my phone off, makes it increases the friction and makes it and delays the um the time between craving and reward mm -hmm. so i turn my phone off after using it every time i have been successfully doing that now for the past three days bar a few exceptions um and that's been reducing the amount of times i spend checking my phone because it's allowing me to get a bit more um to sort of question what i'm actually checking it for right another thing to increase friction even further whatever apps I need to use for my business or whatever, I un uninstall them every time I use them. Huh. So I take Instagram, take Facebook, and I, I kind of need to use those for the stories aspect, like to prom uh, promote my business. I need to be, you know, Instagram and Facebook stories is quite useful. Um, uh, so I install it and then just get rid of them off the phone every single time. So now, in order for me to actually check my smartphone, I need to one, turn it on, two, reinstall whatever app I'm, I need to check it for. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with more hoops I need to jump through. Wow. Um, also, on that same app, uh, and they should be, they, they should chuck a few quid my way after this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, on the app, Your Hour, they also, t they have like this floating clock thing. So if you go on Instagram, a timer will appear on the screen which is actually ticking it's just ticking over one second at a time and it can go green amber red so green is like 10 minutes above 10 minutes it goes amber uh, above 20 minutes it goes red for instance uh, so i'm also on whenever i'm on these apps i'm looking at my time how long i'm actually spending on there and there's also a function on the app which is cool called an auto lock function <laughs> and when it reaches a certain time limit that you set yourself it locks you out and then after, and I've tried this <laughs> you could try and go back into the settings and change all of it and say oh give me more five more minutes it's like no <laughs> oh you've run out of your time for the day we know what you're trying to do yeah so no <laughs> um so that, that's th those are just things I'm, I'm implementing to increase the friction and um and also daily I am trying to remind myself what it is I'm actually doing and rather than, and this has never really worked for me, if I tell myself, 
I'm not going on my smartphone, then what the way that works in my mind, what that does, that gets my mind preoccupied with smartphone. It's still thinking about smartphone. Um, so fixating on just not checking my smartphone, it's also in a negative. It's basically saying I'm not going to do that, yeah. but it's not actually saying something I should do in its place. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So I've started just to, I guess from a more philosophical, in a more philosophical way, ask myself how this is making my life better. It's like, I'm not trying, I'm not just trying to reduce my smartphone use. I'm trying to make my life better. And this fits into the broader framework of that goal. Um, quite nicely, actually. Um, and another thing, another thing, uh, the way I've been reducing my smartphone use, and this has been really successful. Um, and actually, I will, I'm pretty sure in a few months' time, I'll consider this habit to be um, absolutely life-changing as well. A big problem I used to have is I would wake up, and I'm, within five seconds of being conscious, my smartphone would be in my hand, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm browsing Instagram. Um, and I would I'd be on my phone for like half an hour in the morning, sometimes longer if I didn't have any plans that morning. And then uh, I'd, I'd have this weird sort of scattered feeling throughout most of my day, unless I meditated and sort of cleared it. Um, but what I've been doing now is I wake up and I, 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 have, a, I have a morning routine. So I wake up, I fill in my, um, my six minute diary, which is basically gratitude, uh, three, three things you're grateful for in the morning, how you're going to make the day great and a positive affirmation. So I do that after I wake up. And then I read 10 pages and that creates enough space for me to not want to check my smartphone. And, and a lot of the time my smartphone's now off and it's in the drawer. Mm. So I don't wake up and it's on my bedside table. That's just asking for trouble. Right. I wake up and I, had, I now have to <laughs> write in my diary, read a book and then go over to my desk, open it up, turn it on, reinstall all the goddamn apps again. Like it's, like there's so much friction in the morning for me to use my smartphone. Um, that it just naturally reduces the likelihood that I'm going to use it. Um, because I feel, whenever I've tried willpower to get to sort of reduce any bad habit, whether that's porn, whether that's eating pizza, whatever the hell, it's never worked. Like willpower has never worked. But designing my environment in a certain way, that's always that's always been the ticket. Right. Right. Mm. Cool. Um, you know, this is one thing about for uh, for people that always hit snooze. Um, they've always said, you know, put your alarm clock across the other side of the room. So you have to get up, get out of bed to go turn it off. So again, don't, yeah, don't be charging your phone at your bedside. Don't even have it, you know, have it in another room or have it off in another room or, uh, or yeah. all those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I'm, I've noticed since I first, someone shared your video with me and, and I've been, again, I, I've been aware of my own uh, habits of, of getting lost in smartphones and, and, you know, I decided to just get rid of games a long time ago, but I'll notice that. For me, it's usually boredom, and I'm like, ah, you know, this this show, this conversation, whatever I'm doing, this is boring. I'm gonna look for the phone, and now I just try to stop that and don't let that happen. And I'm like, all right, you know, well, what's really boring me? Hmm. Is, are, am, am I boring myself? Are my empty, vacuous thoughts boring me? You know, am I am I using boredom as an excuse because I'm aware of the thing <laughs> I should be doing? You know, the tasks I said I would get done today, but oh, you know, oh, seeing what's on Twitter that that's more important or that's easier because it's right here. Or you know, a, a lie I find myself uh, telling myself is, well, I got to check the news. I got to what's going on in the world, and you know, um, 
Yeah. Like, no, no, I don't really. You know, <laughs> let's, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather make some news. Let's let's you know let me make my day as opposed to you know being in reactive mode because that's what I, if I start the day with a smartphone, I'm just reacting right from the first moment I'm awake. Yes. You know, yeah. Like you, you've given away your power for that day. Yeah, straight away. Yeah, and and that's an interesting thing you say about boredom, because that, with boredom, I've often found that um, if I sit with the boredom for long enough it very quickly transmutates into another emotion mm. that's, that's, that's really telling me what the problem is. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I think boredom is just a surface level emotion. Um, that's kind of like a restlessness or an agitation or, or, or something. It's some, it's like, um, I see boredom as being like a surface level symptom or, you know, so, so, so like waves on the surface, but the problem is usually a bit deeper. Right. Um, and that's another, that's another thing as well when it comes to, and, and this is a thing that's allowed me to, I think, as a, as a habit that's allowed me to really get a handle on this thing is the, is the self-awareness aspect of the whole deal. Something that's massively important to me as a value is living intentionally. It's like, do I need, do I need to check this? What do I need to, what am I trying to get from this? is this serving becoming the person I want to be and living the life I want to like nine, I'd say eight times out of 10, I've been checking my phone. It doesn't serve that goal in the slightest. And in order to actually change it, it seems really self-evident, but you need to really want to, you like, you need to want to actually, um, you need to want to change it and you need to want to reduce your smartphone use. And that's why you need to get really clear on your motivation to do so. Mm. Otherwise it will just remain a good idea, but instant gratification is really powerful. Yep. And that will, and that will win. If you don't have a, if you don't have a clear why on this, then that instant gratification monkey will kick the shit out of you, you know? So you need to want to, but, but meditation, and this is a thing, meditation has really allowed me to, get the self-awareness and the clarity around it all. Because if you, I actually feel that um, a deal, part of an addictive or compulsive behavior involves, at least to some extent, a discomfort intolerance. To some extent, there's loads, loads else, but something, um, building a, a tolerance to uncomfortable feelings is something that will help the process of recovery from a compulsive or addictive behavior for sure. And meditation cultivates that. So when you've meditated for a while, just simply the, the simple act of observing your breath actually becomes fascinating. So I take my smartphone away and I feel that meditation over, because I've been meditating now on and off for about 10 years. And that's definitely given me the, the sort of ability and willingness to curiously look at the uncomfortable feelings and really like rather than judge them as bad and try and inevitably run from them right. in, a, in kind of an animalistic fashion, like, Oh, this is bad run away sort of thing. It's like, right, let's sit with it. Where is it appearing in my body? Like this, there's an uncomfortable feeling and it's here. Now where's the evidence for it? And usually it's in my chest, in my solar plexus, um, but meditation. And I know I said that in that quite funny, Cure your smartphone addiction forever video, um, but it's it, it. I did actually hit on something there. Um, meditation, because if you take your smartphone away and if you've got a compulsive attachment to it, 
shit will come up. <laughs> I mean, take it from take it from me. Whatever, when you take any compulsive behavior away, what what you've been using that for has been waiting there for you. Take it away, and it's not going to go away. That you you have to face it. It's a confrontation with yourself. Right. And if you haven't the capacity to sort of sit with uncomfortable feelings, then you know you'll go back to what's familiar and comfortable and usually in the form of that habit you're trying to change right yeah you go back to your distractions and your addictions and and lie to yourself that well this feels better so it must be good for me because i feel better now and yeah it's just a whole nother layer of, of of masks and and bullshits and you know if uh if it's an oil well that's your emotions that you, you know it's going to blow at some point and you know by by choosing to put away your addiction by choosing to sh put away your smartphone you're, you're giving yourself control over, I'm, I choose to feel these emotions now instead of having them come out sideways and in some you know, really destructive way in the future. Right? Which they will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can, you, emotions cannot be buried forever. And, and I find the longer we ignore them, the more, the more damage they can do when they finally do get expressed. Oh, um, that yeah that is that is so true that is so true andy and i've seen that in my own i've seen that in my own professional life um this is why i'm sort of more interested in the mindset side of things like fitness as well as mindset but mindset is the real meat of it because i've met people who most of my clients are over the age of 40 and we get really into the nitty-gritty and sometimes i just feel that i get an intuitive sense for a person and it's like wow, this, this symptom that you're having, these, um, in, in one case, for instance, sudden angry, rage-filled rage outbursts that come at the drop of the hat that are uncontrollable and even, even make the person feel like they have become possessed in the course of like, their outburst. Now, that to me is like some prolonged gross mutation of a simple emotion that wasn't felt in the moment. Mm -hmm. So this is what it this is what it means because like things like removing removing your smartphone, or managing any compulsive behavior really, it allows you to sort of be present moment to moment as things come up, uh, and that might not be fun because that might lead to some discomfort and pain in the moment. But bloody hell, you are putting money in the bank in an emotional sense in that way because the alternative is is distraction. It's like pretty much consistent distraction until like whatever emotion might have been needed to be felt in the moment might have been quite simple over time becomes complex and varied under layer of layer upon layer upon layer of story and denial. And, and then it becomes just this tumor like, and then it's like, what the hell was that all about? And then you need to hire a therapist to help you sort it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, uh, you know, my, I, I've shared my, my history many times, but I, you know, years and years of, of, of depression and, hospitalization for suicide attempts and suicidal ideation going, you know, longer than, than just the attempts and the thinking about it. But when, when I discovered that if I was willing to feel any emotion, the moment it showed up, it, it passed way quicker and easier than I ever would have expected. So I find, you know, living in the present moment, everyone talks about, yeah, that's a goal. I know how to be present. Well, being present means being present with the crap too. And, but when we're willing to do that, Again, the, the crap rolls away much quicker and easier than, than, than I've ever, ever expected to. So there's, there's, when we're saying, you know, be willing to feel what shows up, it's not, some, it's not a torture chamber, right? You know, mm -hmm. emotions, it's energy in motion. They're meant to pass through us. 
It's only when we say, no, I'm not supposed to feel that, or no, that's not the right timing for this. That's when we get in trouble. And that's when we reach for the phone, and the phone helps us make more blockages in our, in our system than in our mindset. Exactly, yeah. There was a, 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 great, a great meditation teacher once told me the uh, pretty funny phrase. He goes, sit with yourself and face reality, bliss or piss. <laughs> so it's like whatever it is because like that's the that's the common misconception that people have about people who, who meditate or this whole present moment thing so like the present moment is no guaranteed cakewalk like the, pre the present moment is not guaranteed for you to um be in a blissful state because sometimes you'll experience some real pain but the alternative is worse because when you, because that's the thing, and you touched on this really nicely as well, because during a 20 minute, 30 minute meditation, you'll have different emotions come up. Sometimes it'll be pretty steady, but other times it'll be quite rocky. But one thing, if you remain sort of rooted and you, you're just, you're just paying attention, you're not judging, you're not making a story. If you just watch, you'll notice that whatever emotion comes up, you can't possibly feel that way for long unless the here's and here's the thing you can't feel that way for long unless you attach a story to it and continually refresh the story in your mind so and that's the thing like like i've had clients who i train and uh, we meditate and they start writing in the diary start writing in a journal and all this shit this like resentfulness from something that may have happened 20 years ago comes up and, and they're feeling this emotion in the moment now because they're reliving this story. That, and it, just, it just came from, um, once again, unexpressed emotions in, in the present as they emerged. And, and I think this is where a, an honest and wide open attention, moment to moment, and continually cultivating that skill, there's no there literally is no greater way to live than that. Because if, if the bad shit happens, you're there for it. If the good shit happens, you're there for it. Like you're not numb. Right. Like, like that's a, that's a fear I have is wake is, is waking up in 20 years and then thinking what, what the hell happened there? Like, it's like, did I live? I, I feel like I've been underwater for that long. And, it's, and I've had phases in my life where I felt underwater for they say six months or a year. And I'm like, that year basically felt like it went like that. It's because I've not been there for it really. Yeah, and that, that, that's a brutal thing to realize, but it's also empowering, right? Because it's, it's only with your awareness of that can you change it. If you just, you know, because there have been points out, like I thought this underwater feeling, oh, this is, this is, this is life, right? This, this, is how, this is just how it feels. It doesn't, you know, it is just this kind of uh, almost this perpetual boredom because I refuse to take responsibility and, and accept what I've made for myself or, you know, refusing to accept the emotions I've buried and denied, refusing to accept that, you know, I'm not broken, right? That whatever I'm feeling is okay to feel. And, you know, if I'm authentic, if I'm vulnerable, if, if I cry in a video, it didn't mean I'm no longer a man, right? Mm -hmm. so, so there's, you know, it, it takes some courage to be willing to live in the moment and to be willing to deal with all the stuff we have buried. Because if it's, when it was new for me, you know, I had decades of shitty feelings that I had to like feel before they could be free. You know, I, I find it takes a while before you can really live emotionally in the moment. You've got to get all the past shit out of the way first, um, which it can be done. You know, I'm, I'm living proof and it sounds like you are as well, right? <laughs>
Yeah, well, and that's the thing because the yeah, because and it, this is quite interesting because this thought just came up. I was always told in uh, in primary school because I was a naughty kid. I was a, I was a bit of a bastard in primary school, and my teachers would tell me, and and I get a kind of a chill down my spine when I even relive these words. Um, it, the longer you the longer you hold out, the long the more you lie, the worse it gets. And that is actually a really profound statement. Yeah. And I'm not talking about lying to others. I'm talking about lying to yourself. And, right. and all I, what I mean by lying to yourself is distorting the actual reality of your experience to fit a certain story that you have that you know deep down isn't actually true. Right. Um, so the, and that's the thing, like if you, the longer you do this, the longer you turn away from reality, the heavier, the more it's going to give you a bitch slap when you actually finally look it in the face. So like I've, I've worked, obviously I've worked with people who, I've worked with people who are morbidly obese and I've worked with people who have addictions. Like, although it's not my specialty, I'm only, I'm only at the time I was only a personal trainer, but they did have addictions to smoking or to alcohol. And it's like, okay. And it was like, it had accumulated and, and one, one bit of advice I got from someone who was an alcoholic, he was sort of saying, um, when you're in your twenties, he's saying, just watch yourself, be careful because it starts off as being just a drink when you're stressed a bit or a drink for a laugh, but it slowly, it slowly becomes a crutch. <laughs> and, and that's the thing with addictions. It gradually builds. Um, and then eventually when you look for the source of it, You've got all this stuff just waiting behind the door. And that's the thing. The, more, the worse it gets, the less you want to look at it. So it is a downward spiral. And uh, I've, had a, I've, had a, I've, I've grown up around sort of addic people with addictive tendencies. There's quite a lot of alcoholism in, in my family. My uncle passed away from basically drinking himself to death a few months ago. Mm. And um, I'm, 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 I'm halfway through training to be an actual psychotherapist because I've always felt there's – Ever since I was really young, I've been looking at this behavior and there's been something that just didn't sit right with me. Even when I was really young, I was watching like grown adults just, just pissed out of the tree, really drunk. Like, and I'd had quite a few experiences like that. And the whole time I've been sort of going, right, I don't know what this is. I don't know what it is, but there's something about this that doesn't seem quite right. And I'm trained to be a psychotherapist because I kind of want to work that out. Um, and it is all related to the mind. And your emotions and repression and, it, uh, and and emotions and and stories that are the unexa unexamined like um, if they leave if they lie unexamined like the a person's compulsive tendencies such as smartphone addiction such as anything else that becomes kind of a signpost for what's actually going on. It's like a surface level symptom because one thing that frustrated me with my with my uncle was my family would constantly be telling him to stop drinking. And all they talk about was, oh, he needs to stop drinking. That's his problem. Meanwhile, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, no, stop. No, no, don't go at him for his drinking. That will increase his shame. He knows he, he, knows he drinks too much. But what's under the surface is what I was curious about. Right. Yeah. It, it, addictive behavior is kind of, uh, it, it's self-medicating. It, it's trying to, to ease the pain. But it's, 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 you know, the more efficient thing is to feel that pain, 
then you don't need to cover it up. It, but yeah, all substance abuse, I, I find it just, you know, repeatedly putting Band-Aids on yourself while you're gushing blood right through that Band-Aid. Like it just, you know, it, it, mm. it, it doesn't, it, it can, for, for a short time, there's the illusion that this is beneficial to you. And then yep. there's the denial that it isn't beneficial anymore. And it's how long does that denial about that this serves you or it's easier, but you know, um, yeah, it, it, we got a comment that I want to mention because it, again, it, it's this weird catch 22 and, and you know, you, you mentioned that an app helped you curtail your smartphone use. And someone has a comment of great topic, uh, but it's bizarre that I'm watching it from my phone. So with, <laughs> with, 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 with most substance abuse, um, we're told that, you know, one is too many and, and um, you know, zero is not enough. And I'm butchering that. Anyway, most substance abuse, you, you can't have any. But, you know, so are you advising, are you attempting to go cold turkey and, and never touch your smartphone? Or is there a, a productive um, amount of time? And, you know, or is that different for every person? What, what do you think about that? So, and I, 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 <laughs> I, I willfully acknowledge the irony like it's something that's been brought up to me a few times on my channel or even in person it's like okay yeah smartphones social media because because the, the the one video that can sit that's just been constantly getting more views and subscribers since i filmed it a couple of years ago is a film is a video where i'm telling everyone that i'm trading my smartphone in for a little nokia 105 a little a, a dumb phone and i um and there's been so many comments saying um oh are you still using it I'm watching this from my smartphone. What do you think about that? And it's like, oh, fantastic. I, I just, I knew one day I'd be getting asked that again in person. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, okay, so one thing that came up for me as you were, you were mentioning the question, um, uh, I'll, I'll have, I'll, I've got two answers for that. One is ask yourself, is it intentional? Mm. Like, are you intentionally, like, like, what is it you're actually trying to achieve here? Because I think, I think if you examine the action itself, um, you can use social media to great effect. Like this conversation is, prime, is a prime example of that. Um, you can use it. If, if social media fits into your picture of what you want and who you want to be, if it fits in there even a little bit, then carve out that little bit, that little space for it in your life, no problem. If, because there are some people who just, they just don't go on Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, because, obviously, because the, what they want out of life, social media doesn't fit into that framework, um, which is totally cool. But for some people, however, you know, it might do. It might mean that you're able to make Facebook events, you're able to invite your friends. Like I've had a couple of house parties over the past few months and like I wouldn't have been able to get people over who I don't know very well without Facebook, for instance. So it's not a case for me of going cold turkey completely and make and demonizing it and making it into this like evil thing. Cause I don't think a witch hunt is necessary here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you can, it depends on the individual. It depends on the context. Like you can like alcohol, for instance, I have a couple of drinks. I'm a happy guy on a couple of drinks. I will chat shit for ages. I will like, I'll buzz around. If you get me massively drunk, I'll start sometimes start behaving really strange uh, and get proper emotional. Mm. Um, so it's, I hate to use the cliche term of moderation. 
No, I, I mean, I, I, I think your original statement of intention is much more accurate and important. And I get that. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm going on Facebook to do something, not I got nothing to do. I'm going to lose a half hour, an hour just seeing what people are doing. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. you know, I, and I don't know what people do. Like, I'm going to go look for five memes that make me laugh. Like, does anyone think that? Like, they're just like, yeah. they just, you know, oh, I just lost 40 minutes. What the hell happened? It's more like that in my experience. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It just happens habitually. You start scrolling and the next thing you know, you go down the rabbit hole. So uh, for me personally, I'm not going cold turkey. I've set myself an 80 check, like 80 phone check a day limit on the app. Um, So it will tell me when I'm approaching the end of it and stuff. So I'm I'm trying to keep it at 80. um, But that's not been massively successful. So I might need to re-change the goalposts a little bit. But, um, well, again, if it's, it's good to have a, if, if you set a goal and you reach it the first day, well, then it wasn't much of a goal. So yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think if, if anyway, it's easy to say because I'm not doing this yet, uh, but if you have a, a number that's a goal and it's difficult to hit, that is probably a good number. If you're a little bit above a little, you know, if it's tough to hit it, I, it, it feels right. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's where I'm sort of at with it at the moment. It's like, I'm not going cold Turkey. I'm not, I'm not demonizing it. Yeah. But social media, to a degree, does it does fit into the the framework of what I want in my life. I want to, I want to run a successful online business, yeah. and social media just so happens to be the ticket at the moment. Yeah. Um, there are other ways, but the you know, it's well, it's a little challenging. I find there's a big difference from times you're when social media is truly social. When you're on an app, on a website, on whatever, and you're truly interacting with people. That's different than when you're alone, just reading and scrolling and liking and, sh- you know, it, it, th- that's different. You're, you're not interested. That's like anti-social media. You're, you're just becoming yeah. more isolated. Yeah, exactly. I think there needs to be, also needs to be certain boundaries too, um, such as, and I don't know how related this is to the original question or anything, but um, oh, I, think it's an important, I, I think it's a, yeah, it quite a segue. I think it's an important point because I, I, sometimes I go out, um, I'll go out for a meal or something and I don't know I just I guess I just die slightly inside when I see a couple on their phones at the table or a family once god that was difficult to watch there was a family of six people all of them on the phones literally including husband and wife and all four kids yeah it was like then oh you can't just dive in and say stop it like you know because it's not their decision but I think there needs to be boundaries and I'll go back to this again it's intention is it intentional or not yeah so yeah yeah. no that i think i mean and that's the key you know from our far more than smartphones if 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 you you know whatever you're doing if 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 it's driving to work if it's driving a nut you know you ever been in the car and you just zone out like whoa i missed my exit what happened to me um exactly the more that's intention helps you be in the moment help helps you do everything with where more awareness and and again i said earlier we we can't change anything until we're aware of it Yes, without a doubt. So self-awareness is the bed. It is the foundation for any meaningful change. You, you, if you don't, if you're not aware of the problem, you have no idea what you're up against. Right. Um, and and another thing I did have uh, to to mention, which is pretty cool, as a tool that's really practical. And I mentioned this to my housemate the other day because my housemate, as a result of all this buzz about smartphones, yes. my housemate started talking about it recently, and he wants to get rid of it altogether. He says he goes on the feed. This is his thing. He goes on the feed. He scrolls downloads. And next thing you know, he's just, he's finding out, this is the thing that he said. And um, 
some of the people watching might, uh, listening might be able to relate to this. He'll scroll down and he'll see what all of his friends are up to. But he mentioned something really interesting. He said, this leaves me with no topics of conversation available when I see them. Oh. So I thought, okay, that's a really interesting take on it. Yeah. So um, what I said to him was, he was like, what do you, how do you deal with that when you're, when you're working on Facebook and stuff? I was like, I actually have a Chrome extension on Facebook that wipes your newsfeed clean. It gets rid of it altogether and it replaces it for an inspirational quote. And I've, I've actually had that on my, as, on my Chrome extent, as a Chrome extension now for the past year. And that's just something that's just, when, it, when I first started doing that, I installed it. And then I felt this sense of uh, unease about installing the Chrome extension and my, my, like my feed's gone. I felt like I was isolated. Oh, I don't know what people are up to. Yeah. But that's actually just become part of my reality now. Like that's just become something, like someone said, oh, you're scrolling down your newsfeed. It's like, what? Oh, that thing. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was just a quote from Benjamin Franklin. I thought everyone <laughs> saw that. <laughs> that's weird. I've not heard of that. So you, you log into Facebook, yet you don't see anything to suck you in from anybody else and you just do whatever whatever with intention you went there to do well exactly that yeah that's exactly the case and uh, in, in which case if i actually wanted and this, this comes back to the intention thing again i think we've on a, a general theme here as well yeah. mm. um if i go on facebook and i'm genuinely curious about one of my friend's lives i have to go in and type it yeah i'll go in and type it and check but that's intentional i was thinking about that person i'm curious how that person is i want to know what they're up to Facebook isn't just deciding to, to feed it to me. Right. Facebook feed, feed. What, well, we cattle? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll have to go and check. And, and, and I'd also do something similar on YouTube. If I go on YouTube on my uh, desktop, on my laptop, I've also got another um, extension for that too. It's not gonna, it doesn't feed me a bunch of videos because YouTube's so good at this, man. YouTube's <laughs> amazing at picking what I would want to watch. Yeah. It's like, honestly, it's so cool. Uh, they, they can do that. The algorithm is so powerful. Um, so powerful, in fact, that I was wasting so much time watching like, meaningless bollocks on YouTube. So I, I installed an extension that got rid of that too. So now if I actually want to watch a video, I'll have to type in a certain name, a topic. It's an intentional thing. Right. I, I want to learn that. Um, so, yeah, I think you can make technology work for you because if you've got a problem in this way, you know, there are extensions out there and tools out there that are technology as well that can actually yeah. help you design your environment so that it's not as much of a problem. Right. Because again, we talked about it and I'll share the link to this 60 Minutes report um, uh, on the blog profile at realmenfield.org. You know, these things are designed to help us and to hook us. So then you can have other tools that really kind of strip away the hooking aspect and put you back in charge. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is totally true that when it comes to this technology, we are the canaries down the mine. Mm. We, the, the, we, this has not been around long enough to know what effect it has. Yeah. I mean, that feeling, that, intuit, that intuitive feeling I get when I see five or six like, kids at school just walking down the street, all with the head what, looking at the smartphone as they're walking, that intuitive feeling I get that that's not right. Yeah. I think that's all we've got to go on now, but I think that's quite a powerful indicator. Um, so yeah, I've lost the, I lost the, my train of thought. No, it's, it's good. It's fine. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so you're a few weeks into this, 
Has anything ab about lessening your smartphone usage, has, has anything been, been easier than you expected it to be? I am really surprised how little I actually need to check Facebook. Ah. Uh, I don't need to. And, and, and this is cool because the first sort of hour and a half of my day, I'm not on my smartphone at all. With some exceptions, some days I'm, I've got a message I'm looking out for from a client or something. But like in general, an hour and a half of the first hour and a half of my day, I'm, uh, I'm not on at all. But in this, this does get easier. So I'll go and make a coffee and I'll sort of chill out a little bit. And over time, hearing birds, the birds, the morning chorus outside, outside my window, that's not something I have ever actually paid much attention to. Hmm. But after a couple of, this took a little while and it's mainly been the sort of the tail end of last week that I actually noticed that I'd wake up and then the first sort of half an hour, I'm like, God, those birds sound like, they sound so clear. I can't describe it. They sound like what a diamond would sound like. And I, I was having thoughts like that. But otherwise I'd be on my phone, but this time I'm actually really appreciating certain things. So it starts off being quite difficult because when you take something away, there will be a bit of a void left until it, you fill it with something else, until the mind redirects its attention. Um, but, but after the first half a first hour and a half of being awake i'll check facebook and there'll be like say i don't know 10 12 notifications or something and i'll load them up and 10 10 11 of those are ones from groups i have since long lost interest in they're from random events that i said i was going to go to ages ago it's just this battle for your attention like act on me act on this like and it just, it was quite, it's interesting how just little you need to actually check it. Like, you know how they used to check email? You know how email is on your phone now? You just quickly check your email on your phone. I remember being in my, um, my auntie's, my auntie, my auntie owns a business, an office. And like, you know, she owns her own business. I remember when I was younger, I was, I think I was about 10 years old. And I remember being over at my auntie's office because she was looking after me for the afternoon. And there was the sheet on the wall that was saying daily schedule. This was like a daily schedule for one particular person who worked in this cubicle. And nine o'clock, check emails. 12 o'clock, check emails. Three o'clock, check emails. Three times a day, this person checked their emails. Mm. Jesus, that's, not, that's nothing compared to today. Yeah. <laughs> like you could easily check your notifications and your emails and the rest of it. Like way more than that. But that just goes to show that it's not a case of, it's not out of necessity. It's not always out of necessity that we're checking this stuff as often as we do. It's, it's a rush. It's a, it's a dopamine thing. And the thing with dopamine, it's like the mind has a more of a dopaminergic response when it, it, it does that through novelty. And this is another thing, you know, earlier, much earlier in, in, in the, in, when we're talking, you said it's uh, like a casino, mm. it's like a slot machine. So if your smartphone, I learned this, and this is quite a creepy fact. Part of the reason you keep going back to these devices and checking them again is because you don't know how many notifications you have. You don't know if you've got a message. You don't know. Your brain doesn't know. Sometimes you have no notifications. Sometimes you have just a couple. But sometimes you hit the jackpot and get 10 or 12. 
oh, look how connected you are now. Look how many people want you. Yeah. Look, how tr- look how connected to the tribe you are. Like, and it's the novelty value. It's the novelty aspect of things um, that keeps you coming back for more. And, it, and it's a big ego hit. If, you know, so, oh, oh, I got 10 people liking that. So somehow, like, whatever I created, oh, it's, it's better because people liked it as opposed to, oh, I just created it and I liked it. Right? Like, yeah. why, why isn't my liking whatever I made enough? Or why isn't it just sharing it you know, enough? Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Which yeah. in theory, it ought to be, really. And, 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 and another thing that's really, that's also interesting off the back of what you, what you said, um, this kind, this uh, smartphone addiction really fascinates me and social media addiction really fascinates me uh, in the sense that it's, it seems to be um, certain types of people, certain personality types, certain people who've gone through certain experiences in their life seem to be more susceptible to it than others. And I'll use myself as an example. So I have, over the past few months, sort of really uncovered the, that belief that's just been, I've been carrying around with me, since, probably since I was about maybe six, maybe seven, is this belief that I'm defective. It's shame. And that makes me, that positions me as being really, success, really susceptible to smartphone and social media addiction purely because if I am on my own and I have this belief that I'm just no good, I'm just defective, I'm just like broken, I go on Facebook, these notifications in the nice red sort of background with a little one or the two or and all this, this novel stuff that's related socially um, to everyone else, that's sort of a short-term antidote to the feeling of not being so good. Because it's like, it's almost like mm, evidence to the contrary, isn't it? You're loading up Facebook. It's like, oh, this is, well, this belief that I carry around with me that makes me feel like shit and empty and hollow. It can't be the case because I'm having physical evidence for the contrary. Ooh, now, in that brief, that brief moment when I check a, a few notifications and whatnot, I am relieved of the burden of feeling like shit feeling like I'm defective or broken. I'm relieved of that. And that can also have be quite addictive in and of itself. And it's easier to seek that than it is to look at the belief itself. Cause it's a lot more obvious. It's a lot less subtle. So and what's what, the point? Has, has the response, you mentioned you've had a great response to the video. It's all been positive. Are, are you seeing more of a response to the smartphone addiction aspect or to the, the vulnerability of, of, of the shame that you talk about and has risen up by taking the phone away? Yeah. Um, yeah. Really good question, actually. Cause that's, that's the point I've had. I've had a few comments, a few messages about, um, yeah, I, I see that it's a generally the feeling is that it's good that you're pointing this out because it's something that seems so normal, but it's not. That's the general, if I put all the comments into one sort of sentence, that'd be it. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's the vulnerability aspect. It's like, like we see you and generally the feeling, it, the feedback has been, we see you and you're not broken. Like, yeah. and that's, that's been it. You're right. It's, it's been the, re, it's been the response to the vulnerability and confronting my shame. That's why I put it in the title. It's like I'm confronting my smartphone addiction on one level, but on a deeper level, I'm confronting this shame. Right. Which yeah, is hard. Cause, yeah, because you're you're looking at the the self chosen treatment, and which was trying to hide that shame that was there. 
Yeah, the self-medication. Yeah, so, and you have ripped that smartphone bandit off. You know, you made it public. I, you know, when I watched your video, I was really struck. And so I've seen videos where people, I probably made them. Um, like, I'm not sure if I'm going to post this. And I know full well I'm going to post this. But like, yours was really, like, yeah, you were, yeah, I, you know, you're like, I don't want to post this. But all right, I, 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 I know it was this, you could see the pledge made to yourself. And kind of as that video closed that, yep, here it goes, you know. So, yeah, exactly. And, and if, you, if you watch any of my other videos, you'll notice that that one stands on its own in, 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 in style. Okay. The rest of the videos are sort of, they follow a particular script, like an intro, um, dangle the carrot, like as in sort of like say, oh, if you stick around to the end, you might get this, then go through the five points and all this other, all this other stuff, which isn't necessarily bad, but like it was very different than the video I uploaded there. Hmm. And, and that's because I initially was doing it for myself. Right. It was like, I need to express this because that's the thing I, I, I learn. I don't, I don't think before I speak, really, I sort of speak and then things come out and I sort of line things up and I try and be really honest. And, and then a, a clearer picture forms through conversation and externalizing these subtle thoughts I have, uh, which is why this conversation has been really cool for me to clarify things. Um, and that works just as well on camera when I'm talking to the camera. But I've, in the past, I've just not allowed myself to fully let that process occur because I go in filming a video with, a, with a, a goal. And that goal is, please like this. Please like me. Please tell me I, this shame isn't necessary. Um, but as I said earlier, the, the paradox is that when I actually showed the shit that I thought was worthy of shame, I'd experienced the exact, exact opposite. But then again, I have, I've, the video is almost a 2K views. And uh, I shared it on Reddit a couple of times and I did get a couple of uh, weird comments um, that was talking about the irony of it all and saying like, oh man, you, you give too much of a shit. You act like you don't give a shit, but you do. I'm like, that's a bit weird, but, <laughs> but, but, that, but generally, um, yeah, the, the vibe has been really positive and it's been a super positive experience for me as well. And the fact that I'm on this podcast, even like fast forward, um, no, rewind, I'd say, two months ago. This one says, yeah, you're going to be on a, a podcast that's going to be on Spotify. It's like, I'd be like, bollocks. <laughs> what a <laughs> lie. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you made the video. I'm glad you, you posted it. I'm glad you shared everything that you were feeling. Um, I find time and time again, the more I share, the, the greater the feedback. And like, like I have just, you, I don't think we can overshare. You know, if it's genuine, it's, you know, you, you don't go like, you know, get in trouble. So you have something to share about on social media, but you know, some genuine feeling, something that's been troubling you, something, you know, cause we're all connected. The, the, the shit that happens to us has happened to someone else um, in the past, in the future and right now. So it, it always gives permission to someone else to go, oh yeah, I, I, I know that shame he's talking about. And it just gives them that, that little bit of crack. <laughs> not the bad crack to, to, to <laughs> but that, cra that crack in your shell to, to you know to, to express yourself to really start feeling and yeah you know, that that's what we need you know i'd, I'd love <laughs> people to be addicted to their vulnerability you know <laughs> if we can you know because again there is a rush from that that i'm sh i imagine you had a sense of relief when that video was completed right yeah, that's entirely true. Because the thing is, I didn't realize until I uploaded and posted that video, 
how much of a shit I really did give about how many views that video had, like how many comments it had. Like I, and then, yeah, it did feel like a relief. I posted it and it's just like, look, I don't know how this is going to be received. It might get 50 views and then it's just in the YouTube vaults forever. Um, but whatever it is, I wanted it to be, and that's the thing too. It's only taken, it's taken me this long to actually realize the, the barometers and the metrics that I use to measure my own success. And it's, they've always been there, but I haven't really articulated them to myself. And that is how real am I being? How honest am I being here? And the cool thing about this is I'm learning on my uh, psychotherapy course at the moment, what kind of uh, a theory, a personality theory on what causes psychological distress. Uh, and just to put it really, really simply, um, you have an idea of yourself, your self-concept, and you have your experience, which is just your broader field of awareness, what you're paying attention to. And psychological, psychological distress occurs when there is a discrepancy between the two things. If a, if a, if a self-concept does not line up with experience, in the gap that's created between those two things lies anxiety, depression, even bipolar disorder, even loads of just psychological distress of any kind lies in that, in the Valley of deception, which mm -hmm. I, I call it. Um, so after learning that academically, it was like, wow. So being, so not being real as in not showing up as yourself, not showing up as the vulnerable real you that that literally will kill you because that's the, that, because taken to its ultimate extreme, mm -hmm. you'll kill yourself. Men, men do for that very reason. Yeah. Um, so like I just realized <laughs> probably in that session at, at, the, at my course that I, I've got to be real. There was a, such an inner agreement with that on a soul level that if you're going to live, if you're going to do this, you need to be real. You need to face whatever it is and you're not going to want to do it, but you have to because it's the best way. And that's the point for me uploading and posting that video. It kind of gave me the courage um, because if it, it's easy enough to just lie to people about who you are, it's much easier to do that um, because we learn that through when we're, when we're children, my little brother, for instance, he's seven. He, he's, he lies through his teeth to get what he wants because he's an intelligent kid. He learns that he he's learning now that he can manipulate reality to, to meet a need that he has. Uh, it's, it's, it sometimes takes people a lot longer and sometimes people never learn that that's not a long-term viable solution to living a good life. Mm. But, but uh, yeah, it's like you, you need to be real because that's, I, I kind of lost my train of thought that <laughs> again. <laughs> the, the, the journey out of the Valley deception, you know, can have twists and turns and you can lose your place. But, uh, I'm, yes, I'm exactly. Really, I'm really glad that, that we have connected outside of the deception. Uh, I, you know, I encourage you to continue to have those open, authentic, really heart centered videos and not just go back to, Hey, here's how to do bench press or whatever else they might've been in the yeah. past. Um, that's the, yeah, that's it. That's, that's part of my, um, that's part of my resistance I have towards doing fitness videos. Cause it's like, look, you can find that shit anywhere. You can find better fitness videos than I could give you anywhere. Like, <laughs> so it's gotta be real. It's gotta be emotive. It's gotta be, but that's the point as well. It's not creating a personality out of it. It's not, it's not that I've, I've uploaded and posted that video now. So now every video needs to be really sort of like, right. 
we're going to go into it. It's like whatever I'm feeling in that moment, whatever it is, if I, if I lose my way, if I lose my track of talking, right. if I don't fully, if I can't fully, if I don't really know something very well, I'll just be honest about it. Cause I think life can be so stressful and so heavy and such a burden, but it's a self-created burden. It's, the, it's when the self-concept doesn't match up with experience. You're living basically as, an, as your idea of yourself, as your persona, rather than the actual you, you are, Beautiful. which is fresh and new, you know, in every moment. Right, right. Yeah. So just because you've, you know, you struck a chord talking about uh, shame doesn't mean that you're always living in shame and that's all you can share going forward at, at all. Right. That's, that's exactly the case. I certainly hope not. <laughs> oh no, God damn it. That'd be, yeah, that'd be exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's the point too. Cause I have I had a few people actually close friends who, or, or clients who messaged me upon seeing that video and they were like, Ollie, are you okay? Yeah. And they were surprised to learn that, yeah, I'm feeling great. It's like, but the video and it's like, that's how I felt in the moment. Right. And I, I recognize that the shame trigger, the shame pattern is something that emerges occasionally persistently through my life in certain situations more than others etc but i'm not in a constant state of i fucking hate myself like that's not that's not the case it's like like any emotion if you're if you try if you if you're living in presence it will just come and go it will phase in and out and if you're with it it will be quite a cool experience beautiful um so so where can people go to to connect with you to learn more about the real ollie <laughs> <laughs> the real ollie well i suggest that you check out my youtube channel um, which is my, just my full name at the moment because it used to be called Free Your Zen, um, but I changed it because I, I, it, it was a gesture to myself to just own who I am really. So I started calling it just my name, Oliver Cowlishaw. You can find that, although my older videos, some of them are pretty good. Uh, some of them are pretty informative, um, but they're going to take a very different direction. So I'd say I'd suggest you subscribe to the channel. I, sub, I suggest you you just jump on board for the ride, man, because like, I don't know where it's going to go. I really don't like, I'm truly owning who I am and I've, I just don't know where it's going to end up. So it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting though. It's going to be exciting. So subscribe to the channel. Um, I also post on Facebook. I have my coaching page, which is called Oliver Cowlishaw personal coaching at the moment. So if you just type in Oliver Cowlishaw, the way it's spelled in the show notes or whatever, you'll, you'll, you'll find something. Um, but yeah, the channel is going to be the one that I'm going to be all over this year cool. cool well again in the uh, in the show notes at realmanfield.org on the blog for this episode we'll be sure and have links to the specific video that i saw with uh, with ollie sharing about the the smartphone addiction and also to his full channel his facebook page so that with intention you can choose to follow and connect with ollie and see what what uh, how life unfolds further for him um, so so again thank you ollie for joining thank you for sharing uh, who you really are, how you've really been feeling, and, and not just hiding behind some uh, some happy Snapchat crap. <laughs> oh, too exhausting, man. Andy, it's been it's been a wonderful experience. I really do appreciate you inviting me on. And um, yeah, I, I, I feel I like those conversations where you feel like a part of you is permanently changed as a result of it, and that can happen through a single conversation. And I feel I feel it within almost on a cellular level that that slightly happened with this conversation. And I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Well, well, uh, I encourage you and anyone else listening to post that as a review. Cause I've never seen anyone say that a podcast changed them at the cellular level. So wherever, <laughs> you know, wherever you're listening to us, wherever you're finding real men feel, uh, appreciate like shares, comments, everything that we just said we don't need, but it's to help other people find the show. It's not to boost all the minds, egos. Um, you know, we appreciate it, but we won't, we're not going to live and die by it. 
Uh, you can also go <laughs> to realmenfeel.org. Check us out on Facebook. Send us feedback, realmenfeel at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you again soon. Be good to yourself. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com. Until next time, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Is your prostate waking you up more often than your alarm clock? The fact is, the older you get, the more likely you'll have prostate problems, which can affect your everyday life. That's where Prostate Complete by Real Health comes in. Prostate Complete is the result of 20 years of experience as a leader in men's health. The powerful formula in Prostate Complete supports natural prostate function and reduced urinary urges for a better quality of life. Available at Walmart. Visit prostateoneperday.com for special offers. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.